Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Nothing's impossible to those that believe, so regardless of what you're facing, how hopeless it might seem, how long it's been that way, victory is possible. Overcoming is possible. And uh, the victory begins by just believing that, that it's possible. That with God, all things are possible. So say it out loud, with God, God, all things are possible. possible. And to those that believe, believe, all things are possible. And I believe. believe. So what are we saying? No matter what you may have seen or heard, it is possible to overcome that sickness. It's possible to overcome that disease or that injury. It is possible to move past that failure and overcome and be free from it. Free from the condemnation. Free from anything that would hold you back. It's possible to get out of debt. It's possible to uh, get ahead, get in the best shape that you've ever been in. It's possible. All things are possible with God and to those that believe. And uh, one thing you want to do is hang around other people that believe it's possible. It's a strengthening thing. And you don't want to just hang around people telling you how it's impossible all the time. Faith comes by hearing. Faith can leave by hearing the wrong thing. Fear can come by hearing. You're in the right place to hear something about believing today, though. Come on in here and let's release faith. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for utterance and anointing, quicken us, minister to us, strengthen us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, please, in Hebrews 3 again as we continue our study They were calling overcoming unbelief. In Hebrews 3 and verse 7, he said, As the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation or testing in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, tested me, proved me, saw my works for 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. It's possible to go to church all your life and not know God at all. You know, the scribes and the Sadducees uh, and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of their day, doctors of the law, some of them were referred to. That means they had spent years and years and years, studying the scriptures, all these things. But Jesus came to his own, and what did they do? They didn't even receive him. They said he was not of God. 
And yet their whole life is supposed to be studying about God and representing God. And yet when they see and hear God in the flesh, they don't recognize him because their concept of God was man-made. Being religious is not at all the same as knowing God. Hmm? Not at all the same. And um, uh, if you want to know God, you want to pour yourself into this book because he reveals himself on every page. And in this book, in Romans 1, it tells us he's revealed in his creation. Look into the night sky. Look at the mountain ranges and the oceans. Look at the animals and the trees and the plants. And there is something of even in their fallen state after sin and the curse, there's still something of God and his wisdom in everything he made. Don't have to look at some dusty theology book to try to find out about God. He said, verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15, while it said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. See, he says it two and three and four times in different ways. Don't harden your heart. Don't have an evil heart of unbelief like they did. So we've been studying what they did. We've been going, there were 10 major episodes of failing to trust God that led up to them not going into the promised land. And so let's go back again to Numbers, the 11th chapter. We're now up to number nine in this count. If you haven't seen the previous ones with us, go to faithschool.org online and you can, you can get caught up. You can watch all of them, listen to all of them, no charge, no cost. But we're up to Numbers 11, verse 4. The mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who will give us flesh to eat? We said uh, in this passage we see the contagiousness of unbelief. And there was a a mixed rabble who were not believers in Jehovah, who had not uh, converted to uh, faith in Jehovah God. They, if you read other passages, a bunch of them were hauling around their Baals and their Ashtoreth gods and goddesses and all that kind of stuff right here, right now, in the midst of this group of people. And it matters who you hang around. It matters who you hang out with, who you listen to, who you fellowship with. They're going to influence you. And if there are unbelievers and if they're talking against God and they're not going to receive Him, you need to limit the time you spend with them. And I know some people don't like that, but, the, but listen, it will influence you, it will contaminate you the Lord kept warning them. Do you remember he told them about the people that were in Canaan's land, the Amorites and the Hittites and all those guys? He said they could not 
They weren't to intermarry with them. They weren't to live together. He said, because they will lead you into the worship of their false gods. Now, he didn't say, if you'll be real strong, it won't happen. No, he said, unless you get them out, it will happen. And they didn't, and it did happen. It's exactly what God warned them about. And so they are influenced by these And they start saying the same thing, demanding that God give them meat to eat. And then if you skip down in the passage, verse 10, Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly kindled, and Moses also was displeased. And Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nursing father bears the sucking child to the land which you swear to your fathers? Where will I get flesh to give all this people? They weep to me and say, give us flesh that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all this people alone. It's too heavy for me. If you deal thus with me, kill me, I pray you, out of hand, if I've found favor in your sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. Does this sound like Moses, the man of God that faced down Pharaoh and Egypt's leaders and stood at the Red Sea with his his rod stretched out? Uh Uh-uh. What's happened? Moses has been infected. Can you see this? I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you think you know, what kind of previous amazing experiences that you've had in God. You cannot listen to unbelieving people bellyache night and day, month after month after month, and without it tarnishing you, without it contaminating you, without it affecting you. You can't. It's it's something that you've got to separate yourself from. From. Isn't that what the scripture said in the New Testament? Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Now, you know, this should have been a real warning to Moses. And uh, I don't know exactly what happened later because uh, Moses was a, um, you talk about a humble man. The Bible said he was the most humble man in the. Um, on the whole earth. I said 1 Corinthians. Is, uh, did I? 1 Corinthians. Well, just a sec. He, he, he's the most humble man on the earth. And so he's a gentle soul. He's a gentle spirit. But being around these people now, month after month, you know, he's having to deal with his flesh just like they are. But he, I mean, he's out there in the same hot desert they're in. He's eating the same food, right? And yet he's been keeping it together. And he hadn't been just yielding to his flesh. And he actually stood in the gap or they'd already all be wiped out. Right? I mean, God, at one point, God said on the mount, you know, when, when they made those gold calves and they're worshiping them and God said, Leave me alone, and I'll make of you a greater nation. God is saying, I'll start over with you. 
And Moses said, no, no, these are your people. And he pled their case, asked God to have mercy. And, and so uh, he's been doing amazing. But hearing this and feeling this and people pressuring you night and day, you got to find us some water. you got to give us something to eat. We're all going to die out here. Why have you brought us out here to kill us all? And they're blaming him. That can wear you. It can pull on you. And it can wear you unless you separate from it and you build yourself up. Uh, and, and you do that which builds you up. I've seen people... Uh, I ministered years ago in, in a ministry, Brother Hagen's ministry, that, that had a healing school every day, and we, uh, we ministered on the subject of healing. And I have seen people that were with us for a week or two, and you could tell as the Word of God ministered to them, they were diagnosed incurable, they were diagnosed terminal. Some of them said they only had a few months to live. And... Um, you could tell just in a few weeks' time, a week or two, sometimes just one week. It, it, it was like sunshine and water being poured on a flower. I mean, they just began to, they, when they came in, they were so depressed, they were so defeated. But being in that environment, uh, just because we'd have two, two sessions a day. And so they're getting like four hours of the word a day on faith and healing. And man, they just begin to, uh, I've seen some of them, their symptoms were 80% improved in one week. And some of them, a miraculous thing happened just in a moment, in a day, something happened. Well, but I've seen those same people go home for a break and then come back in a few weeks and they were almost as bad as they were uh, when they first got there the first time. And boy, I didn't like that because I don't like working and getting progress and then seeing it all lost, I began to seek the Lord. I said, Lord, what is going on here? And I saw it. He gave me a glimpse. Romans 8 says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the Lord quickened to me, showed me, he said, while they're with you, you know, they're hearing the word and faith. They're in an environment of faith. Night and day and then day after day for a week and sometimes two weeks and three weeks. But then they go home and they're in an environment of unbelief. And sometimes their family members are just complaining or asking them 12 times a day, how do you feel? Don't give me that faith talk now. How do you really feel? And just talk them right into uh, losing their progress. What you're around, your environment makes a lot of difference. You need to be a part of a good church family. We talk about, you know, in our churches, Faith Life Church, we have faith buddies, faith friends. We have different teams that do different things. And in these teams, there's good fellowship and they believe with each other and, and help each other. And even among just the church family. And, and it's, it's wonderful because, you know, maybe one week you're all built up and prayed up and strong and sailing strong and doing 90 miles an hour down life's road and, and your brother's sister is kind of dragging. Well, you can help encourage them, strengthen them. Well, maybe a few months from then you're not doing quite as good as you used to be, but, but they are and they encourage you. But if you're only around people like Moses was, and you talk about surrounded, 
he's surrounded by two million people griping, crying, bellyaching, blaming. We got to go back to Egypt. We're never going to make it. We're all going to die. And after months and months of this, he messes up. He yields to the wrong thinking. It can happen to anybody if you go the wrong way. The reason I'm mentioning it because do you know that later on, he got mad and smote the rock when God told him to speak to it, and his disobedience cost him going into the promised land, even though he is one of the most amazing men of God that there's ever been. It's dangerous to hang around unbelievers too much. It's dangerous to listen to people gripe and bellyache and complain. That includes watching dumb TV shows, huh? where all they do is fuss and yell at each other and accuse each other and fight. And so many programs and so many shows, they are all about strife. It's just in-your-face strife. That's not an accident. That's by design from the enemy. And these writers of these scripts don't know who's inspiring them. You and I should feed on peace. Is that right? Peace and joy. We should be around people that talk faith. Right? And we should be the people who talk about faith. That encourage them. And Moses is not doing good. I'm not judging him. I didn't have to live with that bunch. (laughs) Right? Mm -mm. I, I sympathize. But at the same time, Moses, in this passage we just got through reading, he is slipping. Can you see that? And that's how eventually he wound up at the place where he he ignored God and disobeyed God because he got mad. He got upset with them. And he said, you bunch of rebels, are we going to have to bring water out of this rock? What do you mean, we going to bring water? And he hits the rock and the whole thing was just wrong, wrong. And it cost him. Just like their unbelief cost them. So friend, it does make a difference. Who you fellowship with, who you hang out with, who you listen to. A a good friend of mine uh, has been a pastor of a successful church for a long time. But way back when he was young, he was heavy into drugs, hard drugs. And they almost destroyed him. I mean, he he was taking so many drugs and so much hard drugs that his, his brain had been affected and his mind wasn't what it should be. And so uh, somebody found him on the sidewalk and led him to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and, and loved him in spite of all his junk. And he got into church and began to get into the Word and began to learn about faith. And God completely restored his, his brain and his mind and made him sharp again. And then not too long after that, he, uh, he, began, he realized he had a call on his life. And he began to pursue training and, and study. And, and he met his wife. And <clears throat> eventually they started a church. But I, I remember something he said that was key. Somebody asked him, they said, how did you get out of, because he was in the gutter virtually. He was in the, the dregs of this death. He said, well, two big things were the turning point in his life. One, he said, was the love 
of God's people and the love of God. You know, that met him on that sidewalk. And, that, and he said the other is God showed him he could not hang around with his friends. Because all, what do they want to do? Do drugs. That's all. He said, he said I, uh, immediately I realized because, you know, everybody he's been hanging around with is either selling drugs, buying drugs, doing drugs, looking for the next fix, the next high. And so this, is, this was his life. But he realized, I can't, I can't stay here. I can't be around this. He realized, I'm going to slip right back into it. So he had to separate himself. And that's what we were talking about that passage in Corinthians where he said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Because what fellowship does uh, God have with the devil? What, what communion does light have with darkness and, and righteousness with unrighteousness? It does not. And we must not allow ourselves to be contaminated. He said, I, I still cared about them, but I know I can't help them by being a druggie with them. They need to come my way, right? Now, if they want to get saved and come to God, I'm here to help them, but they got to come my way. And so he had to, he had to leave and he had to, uh, uh, you know, get a whole different life and a whole different circle of friends. And sometimes people are not willing to do that, which is why they wind right back in the same bondage that God delivered them from. Spiritual things are real and they are infectious. They, they can be contaminating. You can also be inspired by other people's faith. Just like you can be pulled down by others' unbelief like Moses was, well, you want to be around people that have more faith than you do, that have a bigger vision than you do, not to intimidate you, but to inspire you, right? To stir you up. Hallelujah. You want to hear people talk about bigger things than what you've been involved in, reaching further and reaching higher. A good meeting, if you go to church and go to meetings, and you should, a good meeting is one you leave after a few days or whatever it was. You leave more excited, thinking you can do more, thinking you can reach more than you ever have. Amen. That was a good meeting. That was a God meeting. Can you say amen? Can you say so be it? So Moses was infected and affected by it. But God in his mercy, he didn't just cut him off. He said, well, gather 70 men and bring them here. In verse 17, I'm going to take of the spirit that's on you. He gave him help. Moses said, I can't do this alone. And God said, okay, all right. We'll get you 70 people to help you. And he anointed them. And then he told them in verse 18, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow and you're going to eat flesh. For you have wept in the ears of the Lord saying, Who will give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. One translation that said, one of those other verses said, Why did we ever leave Egypt? This aggravated the Lord, and rightly so. He's got big plans for them. He's got good plans for them. And all they want to talk about is going back to Egypt. The reason they said that is because they had no vision. Don't you remember the Bible said without a vision, what happens? The people perish, the scripture said. And so you only look back if you have no vision. 
for the future. If you have a bright vision for the future, you're not interested in spending your time talking about the good old days. Even if some good things happened back there, you're thankful for it, but you don't, that's past, that's done. You, you can't relive that. And if you believe the best is yet to come, there's no need languishing about the good old days. Say it out loud, I have a vision. I'm looking ahead. I'm looking forward. See, he went on to say then, they said, who will give us flesh to eat? And they wept in the ears of the Lord. Now this mentioned this like three or four times in this passage about them crying, crying, and about how uh, Moses heard them, all of them standing in the doors of their tents and crying. And it, it made God angry to hear them cry. And it, it bothered Moses and it, it displeased him. All crying is not okay. And not all crying should be coddled. There's a crying that irritates God. The issue is, what are you crying about? Why are you crying? You know, Ecclesiastes said, uh, there's a time to rejoice and there's a time to weep. And there's a time to mourn. There's a time to, like we said, rejoice. Uh, and if you're mourning and crying, you're yielding to a spirit of depression. You're yielding to sorrow. And the Bible said the sorrow of the world works death. The longer you pine away, and that's what they're doing, longing for, oh, don't you remember you know, man, we used to have watermelon, you know, we had those fish and, and we had the cucumbers and man, it was, it was so good back then. It was so, you were a slave. It wasn't so good. Yeah, it was, I just want to go back. I just want to go back. Why would you have to drag people screaming and kicking to the promised land? Because of the enemy, people get so entrenched in this wrong thinking. That's where the Bible, that's where the warfare is, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's where it is. And you don't wait till you see a being with a red suit and horns and a pitchfork to resist something. These thoughts, these feelings. Just like they were then, they come to people today about, oh, we had it so good back there, and I just wish I had that, and I want this so bad, and, and I, just, I just, oh, I want it so bad. Why can't I have it? That will kill you. That will rob you of the promised land. you got to get up and shake yourself and say, shut up. Shut up. Every one of these thoughts, I cast them down. Satan, I command you to leave me. Instead of saying that, could they have said, God will provide? You just watch. And we're on our way to the promised land. It won't be long. We'll have all the melons and cucumbers and fish we want. We'll be selling fish. Well, our time's up again today. Said out loud, I have faith in God. I don't have to look back. My future is bright. Growing brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's it for today. Come back tomorrow. We'll see you soon.
here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.